Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to James 1, uh, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, James chapter 1. We are in this series in the book of James where James calls us to a true and living faith. That's what we're going to see throughout the book of James, that he's calling us to a true and living faith. Now, one of the difficulties with this call is that a call to faith is going to bring us face to face with our limits. Okay, It's going to bring us face to face with the reality that we have limits. Think, think about it this way. Um, to acknowledge Jesus as Savior means we realize we can't save ourselves. That's a limit. To bow to Jesus as Lord means that we understand we're not Lord of our own lives. That's acknowledging a limit. And for some of us, this is frustrating. It's frustrating to think about limits. We, we like to see ourselves as limitless rather than acknowledging the limits we have. You, you see that in the way we spend our time. You see that in the way we spend our money. You see that in the things we commit to in, in work or in the community. We, we'd want to live as if we are limitless, but we're not. Um, for the last eight years, I've been meeting with a counselor who's been incredibly helpful to me. Some of you are like, meet more. I know, but he's been incredibly helpful to me. And one of the things he says to me all the time is, Brian, you need to learn to love your limits. You need to learn to love your limits. And he says, if you learn to love your limits, that'll teach you two things. It'll teach you first that you are a finite human with limits. And it's going to teach you that God is an infinite God with no limits at all. Now, I love this one. I love the idea that God is infinite, has no limits, full of power, full of love, full of grace. I love that. And I hate this one. The idea that I have limits in some way. I just hate the thought of that. But if I'm going to respond to this call to true and living faith, I've got to learn to not just to see those, but love those. And James in James 1, he's going to bring us face to face with two of our limits today. And my hope is that these limits will drive us back to the one who has no limits. Okay, we're going to start in verse 5. I'll read verse 5 through 11. Then I'm going to pray and we'll jump into God's, uh, to God's word. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-binded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would show us uh, the reality of our limits today. Uh, Lord, that you would capture, capture our hearts and minds with that reality. And Lord, that as we see ways we are limited, would you show us that you are limitless? You are limitless in power. 
You are limitless in knowledge. You know know the heart of every person listening to this right now. You know their story. You know their struggle. You know their, their sin. You know every story listening. So Lord, you are limitless in your ability to speak into every heart listening to this right now. So Lord, we ask you, we, we, we beg you to speak in such a way that we would be changed, that you would speak in such a way that we would be reminded of our limits and your limit, that the reality that you are limitless. Help us see that today. And uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to see two limits that we have today. Two limits we need to learn learn to love. And the first one is the limit of our wisdom. That's in verses 5 through 8. And the next is the limit of our resources. That's in verses 9 through 11. Let's start with the limit of our wisdom. So James mentions the limit of our wisdom in verse 5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. So he's acknowledging this, this sense we have that we lack something, that we lack wisdom. Now, before we get into the limit of it, let's talk about what wisdom is, okay? There's a lot of ways we could look at wisdom, and James is looking at it in a particular way. Now, for many of us, we think when we think of wisdom, we think of learning from others. A a friend of mine said, wisdom is just a long memory, okay? You, You remember the mistakes of others or the mistakes you've made yourself, and that's certainly a way the Bible speaks about wisdom, Another person maybe has mentioned that wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Uh, The Bible speaks of both of those kinds of wisdom in the Proverbs. But James here is looking at wisdom from another direction. He's not, he's not looking at it as a memory or the accumulation or application of knowledge. He's looking at it from another perspective. And what James says in chapter one is first that wisdom is a gift from God. It says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he gives it to you. So wisdom in James 1 is a gift from God. The second thing James tells us in chapter 3 of the book of James is that wisdom has to do not just what we say, but how we live. Look at chapter 3, verse 17. It's going to be on the screen. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So notice first, wisdom is from above. That's another way of saying it comes from God. And then James says that wisdom is something we demonstrate with our lives more than something we declare with our mouths. He talks about all these characteristics that we're peaceable and gentle. We're open to reason. And so for, so James, for James, wisdom is a gift from God that affects how we live our lives. And we need this kind of wisdom in our lives right now. We need the kind of wisdom that is a gift from God that affects how we live. And James wants us to understand that we lack this kind of wisdom. And I feel that all the time, don't you? Like all the time, I feel the reality that I lack this kind of wisdom. I need need wisdom about the future. Now, it's hard to think about the future right now because long-term planning is a couple of weeks, okay? But uh, Cheryl and I were talking about 2021 the other day. We were talking about the things we're looking forward to. 
Uh, we celebrate 25 years next year. Uh, we've got a, a child graduating, another child graduating from high school and going to college. We've got all these things we want to look forward to. We, wanna, we, we need wisdom about those things. How do we plan? How do we look forward? How do we hope when so many things have been canceled? We need wisdom about the future. Some of you are making decisions right now that it will affect you for the rest of your life. Where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do for a career? Where are you going to live? We need wisdom. We need wisdom about the present, the, the right now we need wisdom. Uh, we need wisdom about parenting. Parenting is one of those areas that always reminds me of my lack of wisdom. We need wisdom to know what to do and how to parent. We've got, uh, we, we're entering into a new phase of parenting right now. Um, y'all are doing great too, by the way. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby. Um, so um, we're, we're entering into a new phase of parenting right now. We've got a child in college. How, who, who's, who's a young adult? How do you parent? How do you, how do you move forward with your family when your family is now what it will, what it will, when your family will never be what it once was? How do you move forward in that? How do you move forward with wisdom? We need wisdom about how we vote in November. We need wisdom about how we even talk about it with one another. We need wisdom. We need wisdom about how to move forward as a church. Our, our world is kind of turning a, a corner into some things. School's starting, sports is starting. We need, we need wisdom about how we do that as a church. So on Wednesday, Exodus Students is starting up. You can pray for Pastor Tyler and his team. On September 14th, uh, Exodus Women's Bible Study is starting. Joy and her team have done a great job creating lots of different options for women to be engaged in that. On October 4th, our plan is to start a portion of Exodus Kids again where four-year-olds and under could go and learn about Jesus from other adults. I want you to pray for Kelsey and her team as she leads that effort. There's, there's, these are all, all first steps into this next chapter, and every step reminds us that we lack wisdom. Every step is a risk of some kind. And so you can pray our goal as a staff and as a team is to risk with wisdom. Listen, we don't want to be loosey-goosey as we enter into these things. We want to risk with wisdom, and we want to react with care, okay? So you can pray that way for us, because again, every step into this next chapter reminds us we lack wisdom. We need it. We need it. And so when we feel that, when we feel the reality, I lack wisdom, what do we do? Well, we have two options. The first option is we can double down on ourselves. When, when we feel like, hey, I, need, I don't have wisdom here, we can try to figure it out. Now, what's interesting is we've already said I lack wisdom, but now I'm going to double down on the wisdom I lack to try to figure out wisdom. Now, that sounds crazy when you say it out loud, and I do it all the time. The other option is what James says in verse 5. He says, if you lack wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. If when we feel the reality that we lack wisdom, we can go to God and say, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom, God. And look what he says about God in verse five. He says, let him ask God who gives generously. Not, not, God is not stingy with wisdom. He's generous. He wants to give all the wisdom we need. He's generous with wisdom. Who gives generously to all to all, like anybody who asks can get wisdom and he gives it without reproach. That's my favorite part of that whole thing, that God gives wisdom and he never gives it with shame. Have you ever asked somebody for something and they gave it to you, but they're like, look, I don't know why you keep asking me for things like this. God never says that. 
There's never a time when you're going to come to God for wisdom and he's going to say, well, I figured you wouldn't be needing to ask me by now. Like he's never going to shame you for asking for what you don't have. He gives generously and it says it will be given. And then he gives a warning in verse six. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, James is giving us a warning. He said all this about God's generosity and how God will give wisdom when we ask. And then he says, ask in faith with no doubting. Now, this does not mean that Christians never doubt about anything. It doesn't mean Christians never have questions. It doesn't mean Christians are never confused. What he's trying to say here in this passage is a call for us when we ask God to depend completely on him and not on ourselves. See, there's this tendency for us when we ask God for wisdom, we ask God for wisdom while we're trying to figure it out on our own. We have this tendency to kind of keep feet in both places. Think about, you, maybe you've seen people on a dock. They're going from a dock to a boat, and the boat kind of starts moving out, you know? Um, and if you don't get in the boat and off the dock, you're going to get in the lake, right? Well, that's kind of what James is talking about here. We've, we've got to put all our weight on God's generosity and none of the weight on our wisdom, and so he's saying, if, you, if you're trying to keep your feet in both places, you're a double-minded man. You're like a wave tossed by the wind. You shouldn't expect to hear anything from the Lord. But if we put all our weight on his generosity, he gives us wisdom generously. That's what James is trying to get at here. So James wants us to remember and recognize that we lack wisdom. He wants us to remember and recognize that God gives generously to those who ask for it, generously. And we need to see the limit of our wisdom and we need to learn to love it. Now, the second uh, limit we need to learn to love is the limit of our resources. Look at verse nine. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his, exalta- in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. So James is talking about two groups of people here in relation to resources. He's talking about the lowly brother, that would be someone who is poor, and then the rich brother, that would be someone who is wealthy. And James wants us to understand, regardless of where you are in those two categories, there is a limit to your resources. There are some things money can't buy. Now, first, James speaks to the lowly, okay? To these lowly, poor people, James calls them to something. He says in verse nine, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. So what James wants uh, for this, these lowly, poor people to do is to boast in what God has done for them in Christ. For them to boast in the reality that even though they, there was no way they could save themselves, God in Christ reached down and saved them, forgave them for their sin, gave them a new hope in Christ. That's what they are to boast in, and they are to go on boasting in that reality. And James calls them to boast in the reality that Christ saved them, that Christ is their only hope and will always be their only 
Now, he wants them to boast here in this because there is a unique danger that poor people have as opposed to wealthy people. The unique danger poor people have is that they can start to believe that the answer to all their problems is more money. Now, I'm not trying to say that money is not the answer to some of our problems. We need money to buy food and to pay our rent and to you know, pay our electric bill. Like there are things that money does. But the danger then is for us to start to believe that more money will somehow do what more money was never meant to do. That more money will start to satisfy our soul rather than pay our bills. And James wants these lowly brothers, to, brothers and sisters to go on boasting in what Christ has done rather than trusting in what money could never do. See, more money is rarely the answer to your financial problems. If you just Google lottery and lost it all, you'll see story after story of people. 70% of people who win the lottery end up broke. 78% of NFL players, two years after retirement, end up in financial stress. It's 60% for NBA players. More of what doesn't satisfy your soul never starts, no matter how much of it you get. And James wants these lowly brothers to boast in what Christ has done. Now, I never thought I would quote Jim Carrey in a sermon, but here we are, okay? And he said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. That's why James wants these lowly brothers to boast in Christ, because he is the answer. And it's an answer that can never be taken away. Now, the next group James speaks to is those who are rich. Look at verse 10. He says, and the rich in his humiliation. So you've got these lowly brothers and sisters, these poor Christians, and then you have rich Christians, rich believers here in verse 10. And James is speaking to them and saying, like the lowly brother boasts in his exaltation, the rich boast in his humiliation. Now, there are two problems for us as we read this passage. The first one is we always put ourselves in the wrong category. We think because we have more, excuse me, we think because someone has more than us that we are poor. In the global economy, all of us are wealthy. All of us are the rich in this passage, in the global economy. The second problem we have when we read this passage is we tend to think that being rich means you don't have problems. Because we bought into the lie that money is the answer to our problems, we think if they're rich believers, then they don't have problems. They just have different problems than you. And the very, there are very real dangers to being rich. And our desire for what rich people have blind us to the dangers they face. Think about rich believers with me for a moment. They have everything the world tells them to have. Money, security, power. They have all that. And because they have it, there's a temptation to think, number one, I did that. Rather than I received that, I did that. Number two, there's a temptation to think that's what I hope in. And so they, they have what they know can't save and they're constantly bombarded with the idea that what you have will save you. And so they've got to fight that all the time. They've got to remember the rest of verse 10 because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. 
And so maybe rather than being blind to the dangers of our wealthy friends, maybe we pray for them because they will give an account for every nickel that they've been entrusted with. And we need to remember we are them in the global economy. And so notice what rich believers are to do. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. So both of them are to boast. The lowly poor brother is to boast in his exaltation. He's to boast in the reality that Christ did for him what he could not do for himself. And the rich is to boast in his humiliation that though he has everything the world suggests saves, he has to acknowledge what I have will never save me. And so the rich, so like the lowly boasts in his exaltation, the rich boasts in his humiliation. He boasts in the reality that Christ alone saves, that no amount of money will ever satisfy, that I can't take any, any bit of money with me to the throne of God. That when I stand before God, the only thing that will matter will not be my bank account, but Christ's work in my place. And then he calls these wealthy believers to go on living in this way. He says, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. James wants rich believers to understand there are dangers to being wealthy. There are dangers to wanting to be wealthy. Listen, James is not saying it's wrong to work hard. He's not saying it's wrong to get a promotion. He's not saying it's wrong to ask for a raise. They're, they're good and God-glorifying things about all those things. What he is saying is that no amount of money will ever satisfy your soul. And the pursuit of it in order to satisfy your soul causes you to perish. It says the rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuit. Now, James wants poor people to rejoice that Christ has saved them. He wants rich people to rejoice that they could not save themselves. Both of them need to love the limits of their resources. Now, one of the ways we want to help our church love the limit of our resources in this way is with a class called Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week class. Uh, we're going to start that later in the fall. You're going to hear some things about it. Uh, you can find out information on our website, or you can email us at info at and you'll get more information. James wants us to learn to love our limits. He wants us to love the limit of our, of our wisdom. He wants us to love the limit of our wealth. He wants us to love our limits. And one of my concerns for us as a church is that we are a group of wise and wealthy people. One of my concerns for us is that we could be tempted to believe that we can do whatever we set our mind to. And I'm afraid we'd succeed. And so my hope is that we would learn to love our limits, to learn to see the lack of our wisdom and pray, to learn to see the, the limit of our resources and learn to boast in our humiliation. Only then will we, will we be a church that's truly useful to the Lord when we're humbled and dependent on him, where we're a people who love our limits. 
James wants us to love the limit of our wisdom and our resources. So the question for us today is this, will we love our limits? Will we love our limits? I gotta be honest and say sometimes I don't love my limits. I don't love the reality that I don't know. I don't love the reality that I don't have clarity. I don't love the reality that I don't have enough, whatever enough means. I, I, I don't love that, but I've got to love that if I'm going to step into this call to true and living faith. I've got to love the reality that I need Jesus. I've got to love the reality that I need God. I've got to love the reality that I am limited and that God is limitless. So I've got to love my limits to step into this call to a true and living faith. So the question for us today is, will we love our limits? And what helps me, what helps me love my limits is the reality that God loves my limits. God loves my limits because my limits show that he is limitless. The, the Bible is full of that. It's, it's full of that teaching that God loves my limits because it shows that he is limitless. Psalm 103 says this, uh, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. Listen, God, God knows we have limits. He's not surprised by our limits. He's not surprised that we lack wisdom. He's not surprised by the limit of our resources. He knows our frame. He's expecting our limits. And he has compassion, it says. He knows my limits. 1 Corinthians 1 tells us that he chooses us because of our limits. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. It says, but God chose what is foolish in the world. Makes you feel good, right? God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chooses those with limits to shame those who think they have none. God loves our limits. He loves our limits because our limits show that he is limitless. He's not put off by our limits. He's not embarrassed by our limits. He's not impatient. He loves our limits because our limits show that he's limitless. And so when we lack wisdom, God loves that because he gets to show off his generosity. When we come to the end of our resources, God loves that because he gets to show that his resources are mighty to save. And when our limits result in our sin and falling short of the glory of God, God loves to hold up his son Jesus who died on the cross so that we could get limitless grace. God loves our limits because our limits show that he's limitless. And so the question is, will we learn to love them? Will we learn to love our limits? Because our limits remind us that God has none. James is calling us to a true and living faith. And every step of faith will mean, I acknowledge, I need God. Every step of faith is a realization that I have limits and God is limitless. I need you, God. I need you. That's the call to true and living faith for us to embrace the reality that we need him. Will we do that together? Will we do that together? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have no limit. 
You are limitless, Lord God. You are eternal and strong and mighty and full of grace and love and full of holiness and righteousness. Lord, you have no limit. You're full of wisdom. And Lord, would you remind us of our limits and would you allow us to rejoice that you are limitless? Lord, capture our heart with that reality today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.